Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And happy time zone. This is LGBTQ laughing, growing, bantering, and talking queerness, a podcast out of the LGBTQ plus culture center on IU Bloomington's campus. My name is Kate. I'm the undergraduate student assistant at the center in charge of training programs. I'm a trans lesbian and I use she, her. I'm Kate. I'm Maureen. I am the graduate student assistant out of the LGBTQ plus culture center and I use she, her pronouns and am a straight cis woman. Um, Let's get into today's topic, which is microlabels and label abolitionism. Yeah, interesting topic. <laughs> it is. And uh, we are definitely not going to cover it to the full extent that it no. deserves. Um, but we will do our best to provide kind of a brief overview. Um, and before we get like dive into the nitty gritty of stuff, uh, we would like to say that although this these two topics kind of exist in this world of like either or competition like should we go micro label side should we go label abolitionism we're not here to like tell you to pick a side or like try to persuade you that one is better than the other um and we want to remind folks that you know even if these two perspectives are kind of uh existing in opposition um just because you hold one perspective or agree with one perspective over another doesn't mean that um, there needs to be any sort of like animosity between the two and we and that these two perspectives can coexist next to each other even if they cannot necessarily be integrated with one another. Definitely. Um, you know, they, they are very different perspectives as I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure there are some people who are like wondering what the heck either of these means. We'll get there. We'll get we'll there. Get there. <laughs> um, but, you know, although they, although kind of by nature they do uh, they do exist in contrast to one another. Um, we don't necessarily, it doesn't need to be a conflict. Um, they can just be different ways of looking at the same thing. Um, and that, the, that difference of opinion doesn't need to be resolved. Absolutely. So with that kind of warning uh, disclaimer <laughs> in place, let's dive into what these really are. So the more familiar of these two terms is probably micro labels. I think yeah. it's a little bit more popular. Um, and a micro label is one of these terms, these labels that we're talking about that describes a specific or niche sexuality or gender, um, that kind of is more, a more narrow definition and may fall under like within being a lesbian. You might also want to be more specific than just saying you're a lesbian. Um, is that a good overview? I feel like it might yeah, have a no. little bit more to <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think that's a pretty good start. The, the problem with defining microlabels is because is that there's really no like solid definition. Yeah. Um. The 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 general gist is that it's like a label that is you know more specific than a general label. Um. But well, you I know, never would have guessed that from the title. <laughs> right. Right. You know. But um. I mean, by that definition, one could argue that that gay is a micro label of queer. Oh my so, gosh, that is a rabbit hole that we will never get out yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's 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 the you know this is this is again this is the rock ice thing, right? Um, you know, okay, it just depends. It just depends on how you how you um, how you draw those lines, right? But but the general idea is um, it's labels that are that are more specific than. Um, the broad labels that that are used to describe whole community, like large communities of people. Yes. And I would also say that it doesn't necessarily have to be hierarchical. Not at all. 
Um, like it doesn't have to be, there's this one big umbrella term and then there's these general things that are in the next tier. And then all of these like um, specific labels in the bottom tier, some of them are kind of like on par and are just used to be descriptive because the common label or the label that is associated with a lot of people isn't the right fit for the person. Um, so I guess, what are the big differences between standard labels and micro labels? Um, is that level of specificity and how, um, maybe not, this goes back to the salience point we talked about in our last episode. If you were listening, yep. please go back if you haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is best listened to in order, but yeah, we're building on each other. Um, and we'll just plug our own stuff, but, um, <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. But this idea of um, these these micro labels are kind of separate from and seen as um, as a di distinct kind of label from these standards ones, just because of how niche they are and how matched up. Like the feelings that we have, we could describe in so many ways, and we're we're bound by the language that we're stuck in, right? The language that we use. And so the use of these micro labels, I think, provides a way to have a, a stronger connection with the way you describe yourself rather than, you know, maybe this term, like I know that a lot of people use it and it's familiar, but it just doesn't like hit right. It doesn't, it doesn't capture exactly what you're trying to talk about. So it provides like a higher level of, of exactitude if you want to pretend that's yeah, a word specificity. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and one thing that I've often found is that sometimes people will, um, we talked last time about the, um, like the, the public labels versus the private labels thing. Mm -hmm. Um, what I've found and what I do, I do myself also, um, is I have public labels that are very broad trans lesbian, right. And then my private labels are like very specific micro labels, mm -hmm. um, that quite frankly, no one has any use for except me. Right. Um, and maybe, maybe a romantic partner. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's useful for, for me to understand my own, you know, existence in the world kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then there are also folks who use these more specific micro label terms as their, the primary terms that they absolutely. use to describe yeah, yeah, themselves yeah. too. So it goes, it goes in both, both directions. Um, but uh, yeah, they exist. They are very specific. And sometimes I think one of the challenges is keeping up with all of the micro labels and Definitely. understanding what they mean, um, because you're not going to find them. There might be a few that you come across kind of in the media that you're familiar with, or, or if you're more involved in the LGBTQ plus community, you're going to be more familiar with them, but they aren't really all super popular terms that pop up all the time. And so it is going to be a little bit harder to keep track of them. Um, a quick Google search is usually yep. helpful in providing uh, a brief, if imperfect definition. No, for of, sure. Of well, and part of the, part of the, part of the great and not great thing about microlabels is that um, they're designed for like anybody can come up with a label for their gender that even if it hasn't been used by anybody mm -hmm. else before, right? Or their sexuality, um, and that that's awesome. That's super powerful, um, and it's great. It's it's you know I, I'm not taking away from that, but um, in terms of like keeping track of stuff and categorizing stuff, um, it's it's a little bit of a nightmare to try to keep track of everything that, uh, and and it's not impossible to keep track of every label that everybody's using, right? Um, but that's okay, you know. It, we're, we just have to be willing to listen when someone tells you, you know, how they describe themselves. 
Absolutely. And I think that's a great segue into the conversation about label abolitionism. So again, it kind of exists on the opposite end of this spectrum of labeling yourself um, and revolves around the concept of not using labels or not using um, anything more than a general term to describe yourself and, and kind of eschewing this whole notion, like, why do we need labels? Um, And saying, you know, maybe we don't need labels. Maybe they, they, aren't adding value to the way that I see myself or the way that I interact with others. Right. And it's really tied up in gender abolitionism too, um, mm-hmm. which is the, the perspective of like, you know, um, these, these gender roles in society are not useful. They're just limiting to people, um, mm-hmm. which is definitely a valid perspective too. It's not one that I necessarily hold, uh, at least not entirely. Um, but yeah, it, there's, there's lots of, um, there's lots to be said for the idea that, um, cause you know, all of these labels come loaded with stereotypes, Absolutely. right? Um, and some of those, you know, some of those are just like gender is a stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those are, you know, kind of, kind of ugly and kind of not so great, you know? Um, and you know, there's a lot to be said for why are we even bothering with these anymore? Yeah. And I, I don't know, I, uh, I really kind of understand this perspective a lot. Like I, I I see that the need for these specific labels in certain contexts, but also if a label is really just more of a tool than like an identifier, if that Mm -hmm. distinction makes sense, then I can, I can understand the perspective of saying like, like who, who needs this label? Like, why does it matter to anyone else? If I, you know, don't label myself, if I don't, use these specific terms to describe myself um and if and if you aren't getting any benefit from the addition of the label then it makes sense that to not use them um at least in in certain context concept contexts um but yeah it's real it, it, the tricky thing is though you know for for either of these perspectives it's really easy to slip into like an exclusionary mindset yes um mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll spend time we'll get back to in a minute but um just want to acknowledge that for the time being, we'll loop back to it in a minute. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, and then the other piece with this is kind of this individual application and this whole group application. So definitely, if you as a person are viewing it, like for me, I don't need any, any labels and that's kind of where you leave it. And like, you just accept it's kind of this thing, then that is, is one way to take on this kind of label abolitionist. There's also some perspectives that, um, again, maybe lead to this exclusionary thing we'll talk about later. Um, but I also can understand the perspective of is, is why does anyone need labels? Like, what are we perpetuating by continuing to use all of these labels? Um, and, and if everyone decided not to use labels, would that put us in a more positive space that can kind of leave those stereotypes in the past? So uh, again, it kind of can define, depend on your perspective, which, which you may identify, which way you may identify with that. Um, but there is this whole host again of, um, choices in how you identify yourself or choose not to identify yourself. And then also the value you place on the labels or the opinions you have, um, about the labels that other people hold or use. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to remember, um, well, and it, we're already, I'm already kind of jumping ahead to the exclusion. Part. So <laughs> we are, why, we are. You know what, why don't, we, why don't we just go ahead and start, just have that discussion and then we can, we'll so we're not tripping over stuff. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so 
when we talk about um, exclusionary ideology, you know, it, it, both of these perspectives can slip into that if we're not careful. Um, so, so we'll start with the micro labels thing. Um, there's the tendency sometimes to, you know, for someone who um, really loves micro labels and finds them very useful to sometimes with good intentions um, say, well, hey, you know, the experiences that you, you know, another internet human or in-person human are describing um, kind of match this, this micro label. You should, you should consider using, you know, the micro label instead of this more broad label. Um, and, and sometimes that's well-intentioned and sometimes it's not. Um, but what it can unfortunately end up to end up with is sort of this, this feeling of being invalidated. Um, not, not to say that suggesting or telling people about micro labels um, is invalidating, right? Mm -hmm. But, but there's sometimes like, um, oh, you know, you can't, call yourself a lesbian because you had an attraction to one man once so you're actually sapphic or something like that like that you know that sort of almost gatekeeping right um can can be um rather unfortunate that gate gatekeeping piece is really important to think about too because one of the benefits that we've talked about with labels is access to certain communities and the benefits of, of having people in your community, especially if there've been experiences in your life where you have been, because you are part of the LGBTQ community, you've been excluded from certain spaces. Sure. You don't want to also feel like you're excluded from spaces within the community. Like that kind of defeats the whole purpose of, of community in some cases. So we really want like to avoid gatekeeping, especially because it it is something you have to be intentional about because it's so easy to slip into this mindset of like, I want to spend time with people who are, who are most similar to me. And that might be people Definitely. who have this specific micro label that you also share, but there's a lot of overlap. Like we've talked about, and I've probably said 10 million times by now is, is labels are not concrete, discrete items. So even within the micro labels that we have, there's some overlap between the definitions that they share. And and perhaps you're having a conversation with someone who is describing maybe their sexuality or their gender. And you're like, Hey, like, I kind of feel like the same thing. And I use this term. They're like, well, Oh, I use this term and, and that's okay. Like it doesn't need to be perfectly matched up because all of the definitions again are so dependent on, um, on your individual experience and the environments you grow up in that, and that context piece. There's this tendency, I think, sometimes for people to want to put things into neat um, categories, yes. um, which I totally understand. You know, I, I love, you know, taxonomy and organizing things. I color code my closet. So like, I get it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, and I, I really get that. Um, but the problem is with labels, you just can't do that. They're just so messy. And, and, Although it might be done in perfectly good faith, and I feel like in most cases it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know? No one is trying to be mean to, an, hopefully no one is trying to be mean to another person. Right, right. Um, unfortunately, though, it can just, it just creates more division and more animosity and excludes people from communities and resources that would be helpful to them, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you said that so well. The the boxes piece is really poignant in this. And I don't know if anyone's ever met another person. Um, but like people are are 
complex. Um, I know it's been a while. Like any any person? Any person. (laughs) (laughs) But people are complex, right? The things we would say, like I can be talking to Kate and we can be in a staff meeting and I go, okay, this is what I think about Kate right now because we just had this conversation on this topic about this thing. And then we can like be, you know, two weeks later, okay, this is what I think about Kate now. And even just in that short amount of time, because we've had different types of interactions, the way that we view one another is going to change. So people are not people are not boxes. Definitely. definitely. Um, But so, and I don't want to just beat up on, on micro labels. Cause again, this is a, no, 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 no. that isn't what this is about. No, but we also should point out kind of this issue exists also in the label abolitionist kind of side of it too. um, Because there's also some exclusion and, and perhaps because of the differing opinions I think in this and that label abolitionism is so different from like two people with different micro labels or people who use micro labels and people who use like more of those broad labels kind of have this mutual understanding of the purpose of labels or at least a closer understanding of whereas people who um, kind of fall into this not labeling themselves no labels um, either for themselves or for a whole community have kind of a different perspective on what those labels are. So I feel like the exclusion that happens there um, is kind of easier to point out and may feel more negative or intentional just because it's different. I don't think that it is necessarily, it's not necessarily, necessarily. but I think it can feel more intentional just because of how different that perspective is from these other perspectives. Sure. Well, and also I think um, this is a totally different group of people um, but they use that. So th- there's, there's a tendency among some um, c- cis and straight people who are not supportive of the queer community to just say, you know, oh, why do you need to label your sexuality or just do whatever you want, you know, whatever, I don't care. Right. And that those arguments are oftentimes not made in good faith. Yeah. Um, and, and not always, but you know, oftentimes. Absolutely. Um, and so I think Although that's a very different perspective and a different group of people, um, I think it's very easy to conflate the two, and I wouldn't blame anybody for doing so. Um, and so I think that all get, kind of gets tied up in the same thing. Yes, it's it's very messy, and it is easy to equate it because on the one hand, if you're saying, okay, why does anybody use labels? Like labels aren't necessarily valuable or useful in describing yourself. Sometimes that can feel like, okay, well, if you don't like the labels I'm using like, do you not like that I am this sexuality, that I am this gender? Does it feel like, um, again, that invalidating piece, does it feel like, okay, maybe it's not real. And, and I don't, again, it's not necessarily intentional. Um, but it can still be hurtful, even if it's, it's not intentional. And that's where that exclusionary, exclusionary piece is with this. Well, also I want to talk about the idea of like a, a gender or a sexuality being real. Um, cause that's, that's something I know a lot of people are insecure about. Um, and, and honestly, my perspective on that is, um, no, and hopefully we've kind of gotten, you've gotten a little bit of this just from our discussion so far, but I want to make it explicit. Um, you know, a label or a, a sexuality or a gender is, exists because we say it does. Right. You know, and. And if people are going to crap on you for using a specific or unusual word to describe yourself, that's a them problem, you know? Yes. Um, and, and, and 
I think anything that, um, any label that you use to describe yourself is by definition real because you are a real person and you are using it to describe yourself, you know? Absolutely. That's, yes. I'm so glad that you stated that explicitly. Like all of the feelings, all of the experiences, all of the thoughts you have about how you identify and what your sexuality is and what your gender is, all of those are so, so valid. And I think one of the reasons we're talking about labels is because sometimes this conversation around labels can feel a little bit invalidating because we're intimidating. Dis- yeah, 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 absolutely. Cause it can feel like there's this microscope and you have to make this perfect kind of, again, referencing that episode from a few weeks ago, um, you have to make this perfect choice, but it, it doesn't have to be the perfect choice for everyone. It has to be what is right for you right now. And, and uh, yeah. And I like that right now piece. Cause it, that's it's, just, okay. it's, it's just about right now. What matters for you right now? Exactly. And you know, maybe when you're younger and you're still figuring out who you are, it's helpful to use those micro labels and say, because it helps you understand kind of your sense of self um, more explicitly because you're still forming that sense of self because you're still so young. And maybe as you get older and you get more comfortable, maybe that's when it becomes less important to you to like be specific or that have that high level of specificity in your labels. Um, Or maybe, maybe, maybe vice versa. Yeah. I was going to say maybe, maybe vice versa. Maybe you start out um, and you're still like coalescing your thoughts and you you start with a very broad label and then mm-hmm. as you get older you're like hey actually I think this more specific label is, is a better fit for me um, right so mm-hmm. yeah it just it's, everybody's path is different yeah and and hopefully you understand if you're listening to this and you're part of the queer community you feel valid in the things that you do um, because that's that's the most important part about all of this is is again what is right for you as an individual right now and in whatever way, shape or form that takes that. And maybe that means no labels and maybe that means a lot of labels, but um, I digress Um, (laughs) back onto this. (laughs) Well, one thing I want to make explicit um, is everything we've just said is not incompatible with label abolitionism. Right. Um, You know, I think label abolitionism is a really interesting perspective, Um, but it it doesn't have to be, and sometimes it's co-opted to be, but it doesn't have to be um, invalidating, you know, um, I think there's something to be said for like, you know, in an ideal world, we shouldn't be putting all these labels on things, right. but because mm-hmm. we're in a oppressive environment, they're useful for us to resist that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's, I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of utility in saying, you know, um, in an ideal world, we should aim for not having to worry about labels, um, but they're still useful right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and maybe they're not useful for everybody and that's fine too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not really sure I have anything else to say on that. But I just wanted to make that part explicit. Yeah, I think that's good to point out too. Um, so back kind of more to this discussion of, of what microlabels are and what my, uh, label abolitionism yeah. is is this idea of, of the utility and the purpose behind using or falling into either um, perspective. So there's a couple of examples that I really like related to microlabels that really helped me understand it. Um, the first is like this uh, canned tomato example, yeah. um, which is like, if I'm going to the store and I'm looking for a can of tomatoes, but none of them are labeled at all, 
I am going to get the wrong thing and I'm not going to be able to make chili, but a micro label, you know, do I want diced tomatoes? Do I want crushed tomatoes? Do I want whole tomatoes? Do I want seasoned tomatoes? And, and with those additional vocabulary words added onto things, it helps me understand it better. The other example for micro labels that helped me understand it was this idea of like colors and shades. Um, so like in some contexts, you know, I can say I'm wearing a green shirt, um, and that's Your fine. Shirt's not green. Well, <laughs> okay, it's teal. Maybe it's teal. But if I'm gonna like paint my wall, I want my wall to be a very specific, specific shade of blue green that um, maybe has a specific. Maybe I want it to be like aquamarine, or maybe I want it to be turquoise, or maybe. And those things are going to provide kind of those descriptors that help me lean in a specific direction. Or maybe, and you know, unfortunately there's no way we can do this with, with gender or sexuality, but maybe you have a specific like RGB value or a specific hex value for your color that you want, that you get like super specific, you know, yes. it's the exact same color every time you say it. That is a good point too. Like if you're doing marketing, for yeah. example, for IU, you have to use the specific hex color of crimson in your right. marketing materials when you use it. Um, and then examples or um, other conversations around utility for label abolitionism, um, unless you had anything else to add for the micro labels. No, I think, I think I'm good on that. Okay. Then um, examples or utilities of, of not using labels. Um, I think one other thing that I'd like to add to this conversation, and I don't have any like cute little examples <laughs> of this, um, you know, is that... Well, I think some, in some instances, like labels don't matter at all. Like do like, if I just like need a washcloth because I'm going to wash my face, what, who the heck cares what right, color it yeah. is? Like it doesn't, in that cloth, context, right? I, just, I just need this to be a thing that exists. It does its stuff. The other, the rest of it doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, and it isn't important for that conversation. But the other thing is when you don't have, feel like you have to label yourself. It also alleviates some of that pressure of having Definitely. to feel like you're making a choice about how you're going to label yourself forever. And this circles back to that conversation about, you know, labels feel like a permanent choice and, and eschewing labels can, can provide this sense of freedom that like, I don't have to be the same person forever and I can be fluid and I can change and I can just kind of go with how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and, and what is right for me and not have to worry about classifying it. Yeah. Um, and I know sometimes people like well-meaning, right. And I'm guilty of this too, sometimes, um, can be like, Hey, you know, do you think this label might work for you? Right. Like trying to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but that can come that depending on the situation that can come across, and it can feel like a lot of pressure, you know, um, and, and that can be uh, an obstacle to figuring out what your identity, right? So um, sometimes just choosing not to label at all can be can be helpful for that for that aspect as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that wraps up our discussion for today. The big takeaways that I hope that you got from this episode is that microlabels are this very specific kind of descriptors to use to match your niche feelings and experiences and sexuality or gender. Um, 
label abolitionism related to this idea of, of not seeing the utility in labeling yourself or labeling others, hopefully understand that these two things don't have to be integrated, but that they can coexist alongside each other. Again, it is fully dependent on what the person who is using them is experiencing and needs from the descriptors that they're using. Um, and, and hopefully that's what you took away from, from our ramblings today. Next time we will be talking about non-queerness, um, and kind of going in that direction, but that is all for today. This was LGBTQ laughing, growing, bantering, and talking queerness out of the IU Bloomington LGBTQ plus culture center. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.